Thank you for the song. Ephesians chapter number six tonight. Ephesians chapter number six. And I'm going to bring a little study from a familiar passage of Scripture. And through the past several months, I have brought a message or a Bible study from the same passage of Scripture. And I felt impressed to come back to it tonight. And uh, I have actually written a book on the armor of God, and it's, if the manuscript is ready, a few, few things to go to print, and uh, this is a chapter in it, and I feel like with everything going on in our world, it'd be good for us to be reminded of some things, and so uh, I was going to hold off on it, but I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, print it, and, uh, and so uh, you, uh, and, then, and let me just mention, I thought about mentioning this tonight, uh, I, I know that you pray for me, and I appreciate your prayers. Uh, but one thing to add to your prayer list, one, if I'm not on it, please add me to it. Uh, and uh, then when you pray, when you pray uh, for me, I also pray as I, I feel like the Lord has, has, has given me the ability and the opportunity. And I feel like it's part of my calling is to write. And uh, so uh, I, I am very active in that. And so as the Lord gives me the ability and the time, and so I'm just saying that to say I appreciate uh, your prayers in that effort as well, and so, uh, but tonight I want to be very, it's going to be very, very simple, uh, but I think this will be very, very helpful. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number six, uh, I'm going to read one verse of scripture as our text, and then we'll refer to several in this same passage of scripture, and if we have time, I'm going to turn to one or two other places, but let's look at verse number 12. Uh, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Tonight I want to focus on that phrase, spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're going to look at that phrase tonight and probably look at it in a, in a different way than we have looked at it. And I may review some other things that I've mentioned in the past, uh, but uh, that's what I want to <coughs> focus on tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that uh, you would give us your leading tonight. May the Spirit of God instruct us, help us, uh, teach us. And Father, may uh, we keep a proper perspective uh, in our life as a church and what's going on in our world. And Father, I pray that you bless your people tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're familiar with your Bible, you understand that this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, we, is we talk about the armor of God. Uh, if we look back with me at verse number 10, and we're going to read several verses now by way of introduction. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Uh, Paul is writing to Christians. Uh, he is writing to the church, and he has given a lot of instructions in the book of Ephesians. He's coming to the end of this letter to Christians, and he is writing, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And I think it would be good for us to be reminded. My, and, my, and my purpose tonight is to put the focus on some things that we should be focused on. And we should be focused on it because God says we should be focused on it. The devil is good at distractions. He will distract you with something that's not bad if it keeps you from doing that which you should be doing. He will distract you. That's why the church, we've got to stay focused on souls, focused on reaching people with the gospel because that's God's focus. 
There's some other good things that could be done, but it's not what the church has been commanded to do. The devil doesn't care what we do as long as we don't do what God tells us to do. And so we, we got to be, now if he can use sin, he'll use sin. But sometimes he'll use a distraction uh, from the things that we're supposed to do. So before we talk about, in verse number 12, who we're not wrestling against, spiritual wickedness in high places, we need to focus on verse number 10 of being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, the song that was just sung goes so well uh, with what I'm talking about. Take time to be holy. Uh, you can't have God's power without being holy. And a lack of holiness limits the power of God. Uh, you can have the largest, quote-unquote, church in the world, but if there's no holiness there, there's no power there. And our focus should be power, not with man necessarily, but the power of His might. Now, verse 11 into the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God, and <coughs> she may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We have an enemy. We know who it is. You've been taught this many, many times through the years. It's another reminder tonight. What are we to do to withstand him? Put on the armor of God. Uh, we're told this because we're told in verse number 13, that we're going to have, we're going to, in the evil day comes and having done all the stand. Verse 14, the first word, stand. And then we see the different aspects of the armor that we know as the armor of God. And through the, through, through the months and last year, we, we, we spent a little bit of time here, not going through every piece, but a little bit of time here. Uh, but with that as the context, I want us to look at verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? God tells us who we're not wrestling against. He not only tells us who we're not wrestling against, He's going to tell us who we are wrestling against. Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Uh, this is a battle of good versus evil. It has been since the dawn of time. It has been since God first created man. Uh, it's been over who's going to rule. Uh, and we know that God sits on His throne tonight. Uh, it's a battle over the souls of men. How many of you have read, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've read in the scripture of what's going to take place when God finally casts judgment and he takes the, takes the devil, and we know what God's going to do with him. He's going to be thrown into those eternal flames, that lake of fire for eternity. Now, uh, Satan knows that. You and I have got to be very, very careful because he knows this Bible better than we know this Bible. I'm going to refer to, if I have time tonight, when Jesus was tempted by Satan. And Satan used Scripture, or should I say, almost used Scripture, or took it out of context to tempt the Lord. In Genesis chapter number 3, the fall of man, Satan almost quoted God. I bring all that up because Satan knows this book better than you know this book, better than I know this book. I say all that to say he knows what the end result's going to be for him. So his goal and his purpose is to blind as many men as he possibly can to the gospel so that they can't be saved. Then when a man gets saved, and as you and I, we've trusted Christ as our Savior, he then wants to ensnare us 
cause us to stumble so that we will not be a light in a dark world so we cannot be a witness to anyone else. This is how you and I need to look at context of life. I can be a stumbling block to keep somebody from ever getting the gospel. It would be a shame that we decide to use our life for our own pleasure in not knowing who we are denying the gospel, a gospel witness to because of uh, self-centeredness. Uh, we all need to be, th- uh, be uh, think about that. Uh, so uh, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Uh, and this is something to remember because there are going to be people who oppose God's people. I remind you, Paul, remember when we did that series for many, many weeks? When Paul is writing in 2 Timothy, he's writing that letter to Timothy from prison, knowing that his life's going to be taken. This all took place under an evil ruler. But yet Paul never looked at it as he was the enemy. He knew who the enemy was. And we are reminded that we have an enemy, and he's not flesh and blood. It's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Now, let's get to the phrase that I want to focus on tonight. In spiritual wickedness in high places. Most of the time, this as looked at as referring to those who have a rule, those rulers, those in leadership who are wicked. I don't necessarily think that's what the context is. Now, that certainly applies, and the Bible says a lot about those who have authority and leadership, and they abuse that authority. Uh, God attaches the word evil to those who rule in, in, in an evil way. But I believe that this is talking about, and what makes more sense in the context of the entire passage of Scripture, is that those that are in a position of authority are going to face spiritual wickedness. Let me illustrate it like this. The, those who have the most authority or the most influence, doesn't it just make sense that that's the person that the devil is going to target? That's the, the person that he's going to put the biggest bullseye on because if the devil can get that person with authority, uh, several things are going to happen. One, he's not going to be able to make an influence over those that God's given him influence. Two, those that who, who, who he has authority over or has leadership over are probably going to become disenchanted, to use a word of the day, or they are going to turn aside or they're never going to be all that they could be for the Lord because of the spiritual wickedness in high places. You can take tonight what I'm talking about, and you can put it on every level of government. You can put it on government in a nation. That's why we ought to pray for our leaders. You can, I'm not going to say much about it, but you can see it taking place uh, in our own nation. In the government, as God establishes a government in a church, it takes place. The government of a home, it takes place. The more authority you have or the more influence as a child of God over other people, the more of a spiritual attack or a satanic attack that you're likely to face. Uh, It is a spiritual thing. Yes, it certainly applies to those that are in high places committing spiritual wickedness. But if you look at it, it's against spiritual wickedness in high places. God does give influence to his people. You think of Daniel. And Daniel uh, served in captivity, but Daniel uh, was the target of a satanic attack. 
I have a preacher friend who, he says it like this, new levels, new devils. And this is what he means. When a Christian grows, he's going to face a, a harder attack. When a church takes a step for the Lord and makes an impact, it's a new level, it's new devils. Uh, when a home decides that they're going to serve God, they go to a new level, new devils. Uh, just because uh, we get through one obstacle, over one obstacle, we fight one battle, a lot of times the defeat comes because we take a deep breath, we, we have a sigh of relief, and we relax, not realizing that we grow through that obstacle. And now there's an even greater target on us. Uh, the young couples who, as you get married... Satan is going to attack your home in a great way. But I'll give a word of caution to new parents and those that in the future God gives you children. The moment that child is brought into that home, new levels, new devils. Why? Because now it's not just mom and dad he can get. There's a child that before they trust Christ, if he can get a hold of them, they may never put their faith, and they'll be lost for eternity. Or perhaps even after they trust Christ, if He could get a hold of that life, then they can never, they'll never fulfill their potential for God. They won't influence anyone else. As a matter of fact, they have the potential to be a stumbling block to others. And so while it is an exciting thing uh, for, for God to bless your marriage and to bless your home in that manner... You need to understand something. There is a greater attack by Satan himself coming because he is always on the prowl for God's people. As this church continues, the Lord continues to add to this church, and we continue to attempt to do more. And not everything we do is seen right here in Jacksonville, Florida. I reference churches that we're helping start in different continents and all the missionaries that we support and different things of that nature. And certainly our, our publications ministry that we have, the Lord is blessed. Uh, the more we grow and the more influence God gives this church, we need to be aware. Spiritual wickedness in high places is a very real thing. If you'll permit me, and I know you will, that's why you ought to pray for your pastor. Uh, he he would love to see, he would love to get the pastor. Uh, if the pastor falls, then uh, it's going to affect the whole church. You shouldn't just pray for the pastor. And I know you pray for me, and so many of you express that. And, and because of what God does for me and with me, I know that you pray for me. Should I pray for my family too? This church has never been that way because I'm a preacher's kid who now has preacher's kids. But I think churches in general do themselves a disservice by pointing out the flaws of a preacher's kid instead of praying for the preacher's kid. I'll be the first to tell you, I've been a preacher's kid. Preacher's kids, there's some privileges. But there's an attack that you have no idea about unless you've ever been a preacher's kid. I'm not saying that because uh, of anything other than, than the context of what I'm saying tonight. We ought to, you ought to pray for those who 
as the Lord begins to use them and begins to bless them. Well, I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about uh, the things that we're going to do with the Lord's help this year. But at the same time, we've got to be, we've got to put on the whole armor of God before we start to endeavor it. Uh, you young couples who are who are God's you're, you're God blessing your home with children, or you're you're looking forward to that time. Let me just give you a word of caution: Do not bring other people into your family. Do not bring people children into this world unless you're going to put on the whole armor of God, because He's after them. I'm not trying to scare you out of having children either. By the way, they'll be scary enough when you have them. Uh, some of you, your child's six months old, they're like, the devil's already got them. They're all, they all act that way, okay? They all act that way. Um, <laughs> um, but I think you get, you get what I'm trying to say. Take Job, for example. I believe he was the most godly man of his day. He was respected by everyone who knew him. You know the story of Job and how, Job and how Job, uh, Satan went after him. Of course, God allowed it. But attack after attack after attack. Why did that happen? It was because of his godliness and his influence. Why don't we find recorded in Scripture him coming in and going after Job's three friends? Because the book of Job reveals that they weren't as godly as Job and they didn't have the influence Job had. Why didn't he go after his children? I mean, he killed his children, but why didn't he approach God and say, I will take your hand? Because Job was the godliest, and Job was the one that had the influence. And if he could get Job, he was going to get everybody else anyway. And so it was the spiritual wickedness that Job faced because of where he was in his godliness and influence. Hebrews chapter number 11. In years past, we've spent some time in Hebrews 11 talking about those heroes of the faith. We'll not read it because of time tonight, but let me remind you, when you think back with me, of all that they endured, there are even some unnamed heroes in that chapter who endured all sorts of mistreatment and even martyrdom. Why was that? It was because spiritual wickedness in high places. See, there's a misnomer in this world, especially in this technology age that we have, and the day when so many people are compromising, and, and you can make the case that this, there is a great falling away taking place spiritually in our nation. You can make the case for that, and I, you know, so that it, it, you, there's a reason why, in the midst of all of that, sometimes it seems like those that just try and do right it seems like, have the most opposition, and then it's flipped around. Well, you must be doing something wrong. No, that's the contrary. It's when you're doing it right is when you face the spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, those in positions of leadership. And so my purpose tonight is to give some context uh, to this passage of Scripture, what's going on in our world, but also to caution all of us Everyone in a, in a position of leadership, authority, or influence, you need the armor of God. Every head of household tonight, every father, every husband, don't go a day without armoring up. 
Because I promise you, your enemy is after you. Because if he gets you, he's likely to get the whole home. Or at least do enough damage to limit what that home could ever produce. Same is true for every mom. You may not, may not be the head of your household, but you have those children. And, and, and sometimes we wonder, I'm trying to do everything I can for God, and I, I want to serve God, and, but it just seems like I have this opposition, and, and sometimes it's health, and sometimes it's, it's it, you, can, you, can, you can name a whole bunch of things, and it's simply as we grow in our service for the Lord, okay, let's take, let's take you know, I've, I've, never, I've never been in the military, I've never fought in a war, but some of you have. I've read enough about it to know. And this is, this is something, in, in, I'm almost done with a book on the Revolutionary War period right now, and one thing that frustrated the, the British is, was that our, our soldiers, the patriots, would target the officers. And you would learn to disguise yourself. That's even in Scripture. Ahab's like, let's go to war, you be king. Because the higher the authority, the bigger the target. Uh, it's the same in a spiritual warfare. Every, and I know we don't have all of our Sunday school classes operating right now because of space. But everybody that is teaching a Sunday school class, listen very carefully to, to me. Don't take for granted. You need to armor up. Put on the whole armor of God. We need to take the, our, our, our opportunity to serve seriously. We live in a day, and I do believe, and, and there's so much talk about it, and there's nothing wrong with us talking about it, of course. So much talk about, hey, the, the return of Christ is imminent. Everything's lining up for Christ to come back, for that trump to sound. And I believe that is true. If that's the case, the day is getting more and more wicked. The stakes are higher than they've ever been, meaning time is short. So what is the enemy going to do? He's going to target as high as he can. And it's something that if you have influence, and a lot of us have influence that we don't take into consideration, we need to understand that we're going to be a target of Satan. Those in positions of spiritual authority will face spiritual wickedness. Anyone who is a pastor, a missionary, you ought to pray for our missionaries. Not just for God to supply their finances, and that's certainly something. I tell you, there's missionaries out of our church, and I certainly pray for God to provide for their needs, but that's not the greatest thing I pray for them for. I pray for them to be faithful and withstand and stand because they are facing a spiritual onslaught. Um, anybody who serves in the work of God uh, and we need to consider that as we take on responsibility. And a lot of times, we want to serve in greater ways. We see somebody else serving. And we say, you know, I, I want to do that. And sometimes it's like, well, why can't I do that? And, and as we serve in the church, we better be willing to answer the question, am I willing to put on the whole armor of God and face what I'm supposed to face? Because we get into that armor of God, there is a shield of faith. Which means as we move forward, the enemy shoots at us. 
And so we better be prepared because uh, as we grow, we face a greater attack. Very, very quickly, I am going to reference Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter four. I don't have time to turn there. But in verse number 1, the Bible tells us, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. This is the account of Satan tempting our Lord. And if you take the time to study this, if you want to go back, and, and, and I would encourage you to go back and read this uh, sometime later this evening or in the next, the next couple of days, um, you know that he tempts, Satan tempts the Lord. Uh, in verses 2 through 4, we read, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Uh, there's going to be three ways that Satan tempted the Lord, that he is going to, the same way, if he's going to tempt the Lord, he's going to tempt us in the same way. And so I'm going to point this out very quickly because of time. So everyone, first, everyone needs to pay close attention to this. And this isn't going to be anything new. But it's a good refresher for all of us if God's given you any influence at all. Mom and dad, there's kids that sit with you tonight. That, that, that Sunday school class that you teach on Sunday, uh, the position that you hold in, in ministry or just the influence you have on others, understand something that, number one, Satan tempts the flesh. This will help you tonight. He's going to come at your flesh first. And we all have flesh that we have to deal with. That's why the Bible says so much about it. Crucify. Uh, we're supposed to, the flesh isn't supposed to be in charge. But you know what? Uh, our flesh likes to be in charge, doesn't it? Uh, it's going to tempt us with things that appeal to the flesh. That's why you got to be careful what you see. you got to be careful what you hear. you got to be careful what you think on. As it appeals to the flesh. Of course, he tempted the flesh, but of course, Jesus being God rejected the temptation. But you and I need to be reminded that Satan will use, use the same tactics on us. He's going to tempt our flesh. I said earlier that he wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible. So after a child of God is saved, then he wants to get you away from doing what it is that every Christian should do. And one, the first thing he's going to do is going to tempt your flesh. This is why we as, and this is, this is regular folks tonight. I know some are watching online because they're not able to be here tonight. That's why when somebody gets saved, they start coming to church, they need somebody to befriend them. Because the devil's going to come. They're, they're saved. But that flesh still remembers what they were doing the Friday night before. And Satan's going to come, and he's not going to come at them and say, I want to tell you everything that's wrong with this book. He's just going to say, remember how, what you were doing last week? And he's going to tempt that flesh. That's why we need to be an encouragement to help the new Christians and and I don't believe her this way, but this is just to help us never get this way. Just because somebody got saved last Sunday doesn't mean they know everything they're supposed to do this week. 
I just can't believe that they, 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 I can't believe that they did. I can't believe they weren't back on some. That's why they need help. And don't be surprised when a Christian starts growing and then all of a sudden you see signs of them wavering or they miss a Sunday. Why is it? It's because the devil's going to come at them and attack their flesh. Okay, that's one example. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. How about you second-generation Christians who you've grown up on a church pew? you got flesh too, you know. You know, all temptations are common to man. That's why, and I hate to use this word, I know it's such a bad word. Standards, I hate, I hate, I hate to use that word. Separation. Why? Because it protects us from our flesh. Well, I don't need all that. You may not. I'm not taking that chance. Because there's a whole lot of people counting on me. And if it was just the people who lived under my roof, it's, it's worth me not taking that chance. Because all I have to do is fall one time. And then the devil doesn't just get me, he gets those who I have influence over. You say, well, I'm glad I'm not the pastor so I don't have to worry about it. Oh, I know, there's nobody who looks to you for an example. You'd be surprised. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appeal to your logic. Can I do that? I know it's a risk at the end of a day. Halfway through a week, the weather's cold outside, the world's grumpy. I know, I know I'm risking it. But you know, I'm a preacher's kid. You know, when I ran around the church, I looked up to people in the church. Now, none of you, but no. Brother Bland, he knew I was coming to him. My third grade Sunday school teacher. I'm not going to tell the camping trip story on him anymore. We're going to pause right here. I've got a new one. My wife and I stopped in Cracker Barrel today after the Grace House service. And Brother Victor and Brother Daryl were in there eating. My wife and I, we walked in, sat just, just, just around the corner from them. They saw us come in. They saw us sit down. We ordered. We ate our food. I get up. I go pay the bill, come back to the table, and Brother Daryl and Brother Victor grab me and say, did you pay your check? And I said, I did. And they're like, we were going to get it. And I'm like, how convenient. You watch me come in, sit down, order, eat our food. You're killing time over there. And then I go and pay, and I come back. Oh, we were going to. Sorry, Pastor. Maybe not. Well, anyway, back, back to the Bible study. I used to look up to Brother Bland. <laughs> You'd be surprised who looks up to you. It'll put enough pressure on us to think that there might be one person on this planet, just one, who looked to us as an example, who looked to us as somebody with some steadfastness, in a world that is so quickly changing. 
He's going to tempt our flesh. Secondly, Satan tempts faith. If he can get us to waver in our faith and begin questioning God, well, is this book really true? Well, I, I know so-and-so, they went against that book and God hadn't struck them dead. Well, the Bible says when God's finished, He just may not be finished yet. At the end, just to get you to start questioning God, He tempts that faith. Is it really worth it? Can God really do that? Is it really that big of a deal? What is He doing? He's tempting our faith. And let me remind all of us, the Bible does not state that we walk by sight. We walk by faith. Um, be careful, he will get us, he'll send spiritual wickedness to tempt us to question God's goodness and faithfulness, especially in trying times. Um, there's two things that the devil cannot overcome. He cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb. How many of you are saved tonight? Then you were saved by the blood of the Lamb. There's nothing he can do about it. Nothing. He knows that. You know what else he just can't do anything about is a Christian that just won't quit? And just no matter what, they're just going to serve God to the end no matter what comes their way. Job. Can you imagine how frustrated Satan had to be with Job? Literally took everything from him and he still would not curse God. That had to be frustrating. What, what else could he do? He did everything but the one thing God said he couldn't do and take his life. He did everything else he could possibly do. And Job's testimony was, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What's he supposed to do? What's Satan supposed to do with that? The sad thing is, there's not enough Job's. And sometimes the first obstacle, well, why did God allow that to happen? Well, does God really mean? He will tempt our faith. And then number three, he will tempt, Satan tempts with power. In verses 8 through 10 of chapter, Matthew chapter 4, he takes Christ up to that high mountain and he says, I'll give you everything. He was tempting him with power. Be very careful, Christian, with rationalizing if compromise in the sense of, well, if I, have, if I do this, I'll have greater influence or I'll have more power. I can do more good for God. It never works out that way. There's a lot of churches in this day we live in have been fooled by the devil and they think that if they can compromise in their holiness, if they can compromise on this book, if they can compromise just a few little things, we can reach more people with the gospel. Now, we've been hearing that for 20 years. Has our nation gotten better or worse? Let me tell you who, who, whose door that responsibility lies at. It's not, it's not Democrat, it's not Republican, it's the church. That's where the responsibility lies. God teaches us that. And we cannot be tempted with, he will tempt us with that power. And the more 
influence we have, he'll offer us more power, more opportunity. It's sad. I know, I know, I know faithful preachers. I know men who God uses in a great way. It's sad, but I know how it's going to end up. They've made little compromises to get a bigger platform. And it's going to end up the same way it has always ended up. He offers more power. You know, Pastor, if you, if you change your music, then it would attract more people. Well, I, maybe we ought to just attract them with Jesus. The problem is, you can, you have, what you attract them with, you have to keep, you, that's not you, how you keep them. Um, be careful, he'll appeal to your pride. Be very careful, moms. Every mom I've ever met wants the people to think that they're a good mom. Be careful that you don't rear your children according to how this world thinks you ought to rear your children so that you're not looked down on by the way you rear your children. Uh, he's going to appeal to us through our pride. I close with this spiritual wickedness in high places. We need to be reminded that as the Lord allows us to do more and more for Him, as we have more and more influence and more and more effect, grandparents, I didn't mention you yet, I've reared my children. Thank the Lord. I've reared them. My responsibility is done. And I almost had a seizure when pastor said, bring a new baby into the home because I'm so glad that's over. How about your grandchildren? Now they look up to you too. That you have influence over them. Uh, you better put your armor on. You better armor up because he's going to come for those who have an influence. The question has been asked to me many times. Pastor, why does it seem like we come out of one battle, we go into another one? Because there's spiritual wickedness in high places. Emmanuel Baptist Church, and I know I'm partial, I know I'm biased. Dis full disclaimer. Emmanuel Baptist Church isn't like other churches. It doesn't mean there's not other good churches. There are other good churches. And I, I, there's not enough, but there's more good churches than I believe we even, we even realize. Not enough in our nation, not enough in our world. But the Emmanuel Baptist Church is not like other churches. I was so blessed on Sunday. It's the second Sunday of the year. We've had a lot of sickness. We've had some heartache. I mean, we're dealing with the same COVID, everything, and different things that everybody else is. And with a few exceptions, Sunday morning, this building was pretty much full. That's a testimony to our God. It's a testimony to this book, but it's a testimony to God's people and their dedication to this book. It's not that way everywhere. We don't wear that as a as our pride, as a badge of honor. 
we ought to understand something, that as we grow as Christians, this work is going to grow. God's, God's going to add to his church. But it's going to get the attention. Pastor, you're scared. Well, no, just put your armor on. Put your armor on. God gives us everything we need to not succumb to our enemy. Sometimes we all hear so-and-so, where's so-and-so? Well, they just kind of fell by the wayside. Or you hear somebody fell. Or you hear this, well, I just, no, what happened? They, they didn't put their armor on. Here's something I decided many years ago, and, 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 and I pray the Lord helps me with it. If I hear somebody who's fallen into sin, whatever it may be, I don't care who it is, even if it's my worst enemy. I ask the Lord to let that speak to me. Not in the way that you would think. But did I pray for that person enough? Was I a friend to that person as I should have been? Too many times as Christians are like, well, I, I didn't think they really meant it. No, chances are they probably really meant it. And as you grow... This is not justification. There's, there's a big bullseye. And all that it takes is one time not putting the armor on. We've got to be very careful. There, there's these little kids, and God's blessed us. We've got some older folks. We've got some in the middle. We've got a lot of young folks. Who do they look to? They're looking to those examples. Let's, let's put on the armor so that when that adversary comes, we can withstand. Um, we ought to pray for our leaders in our nation. Those who, are, who serve in the day that we live in, if they serve and they want to do what's right by the people and by our nation, spiritual wickedness is coming for them. It's coming for them. And we've certainly seen it at, 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 at the highest levels, and I certainly want us to pray for our president, no matter who he is, there's only one at a time, I, you know, so that, you know, I know who's still the president. I'm hanging on a little bit longer. But I'll say this, pray for our governor. We've got a great governor. But the dark powers of this world, they hate our governor. And it's not because of anything other than he's got a great position of authority and he stands for the right things. And you ought to pray for him. You ought to pray for your pastor. You ought to pray for your Sunday school teacher. Husband and wife ought to be praying for each other. Because he's after those with some influence. He's after those. That spiritual wickedness in high places. The more you grow in the Lord, and we have a Bible college here training young people, now you better put that armor on. You're not going to put that armor on. Don't dare go into ministry. It's an opportunity for you to hurt a lot of people. Uh, let's make sure that we prepare ourselves. Father, thank you.